0: Welcome back to the Homestead Connection. It is getting to be cold and flu season, and Brenna and I are really excited to talk about natural ways to boost your immunity. (laughs) We've been talking about this so much lately, and it's all over social media, and we were really excited just to do a whole podcast episode about it. There's a lot out there. There's a lot that we have in our kitchens and in our cupboards that we give our families and our kids, and we figured it was a very timely episode that maybe a lot of people would benefit from.
1: As I'm sitting here with my 7 week long cough.
0: <laughs> you know, you know we can only do so much truly. Before we dive into our conversation, we just want to preface our talk and our conversation and the information that we're sharing that none of this is supposed to take over any medical advice that you get from your doctor or your healthcare provider and if you have questions or concerns or you think you're sick or you feel like you need medical attention you should always 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 convene with your medical provider first so a lot of these things are great ways to help boost your immune system and to bolster our natural immunity but they're not meant to take the place of anything that's recommended by your doctor so i know that a lot of us already know that but it's just so important to make sure that that medical disclaimer is out there we're not here to give you guys true medical advice. Don't sue us. <laughs> so we're just in that season now where Flu season, cold season. Our immune systems seem to really be on the forefront of everybody's minds. Uh, your kids are probably outside all summer playing. There's, you know, um, free exchange of air.
1: You know, they're 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 in a very open space, and now it's time to sit down, and they're with a ton of kids. My son just started middle school, and there's like a gazillion children in the school, and so there's a whole bunch of like petri dish level items that are floating around now.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I just feel like my family starts focusing more and more on our immune systems really when the girls go back to school, but that's so early in the year. They go back the first week of August, which is just so, so early compared to like the rest of the country. But that's really when I start focusing on our immune systems. When, like you said, they're around with their kids, the school is like a little Petri dish for these children. And then I really, really start ramping things up kind of right now, honestly, where we're really transitioning from summer into fall and the weather's changing and we're having a lot less sunlight and, um, like, you know, you kind of get to those coughs and sniffles and allergies and those allergy symptoms turn into colds. I don't know. It's really kind of right now that we start doing a lot of supplementing in our home are really focusing on our diets and our fermented foods and things like that.
1: Well, that's a great point around the fermented foods, you know, some of the stuff that you might want to make or keep in your cupboard, it takes a little while for it to ferment or to be ready, Um, you know, so you need to kind of start doing it a little bit ahead of time so that when, you know, your your fresh um, fruits and vegetables maybe aren't as, you know, available or you're trying to make sure that your gut stays healthier, that that stuff is readily available and, you know, and ready to, um, you know, ready to ingest, so. Absolutely. uh,
0: I think that about sauerkraut, where Mm -hmm. so many people plant cabbage as a fall crop. So, you know, you plant your cabbage late summer and then it matures into the fall. You can even go into like the first frost with brassicas like cabbage. And then you still can make your sauerkraut, have fresh sauerkraut, late fall, even into early winter, because you can can that sauerkraut too. And then Mm -hmm. you have it available and it's so good for your gut. But a lot of those fermented foods, kombucha, kimchi, sauerkraut, you're not just going to make them and have them right away. They take time to mature.
1: Oh, and they're so much fun to watch. I just did two different types of sauerkraut. I did um, a dill jalapeno garlic one, um, and then I did a just regular sauerkraut with the uh, coriander seeds in it. And it's really neat to watch them kind of go through, like, their their process, their fermentation process, and the bubbles, mm. and when it bubbles, and why it bubbles, and all of that stuff. Um it's just it's just all around good fun, and then you just know that when you crack into that thing, it's gonna it's gonna be so good, and so fresh, and so crisp, and it's gonna do so much for your immune system overall, because um, it starts in the gut. So
0: it really does. Our gut is so important. When you made the the jalapeno sauerkraut, is it gonna be really spicy? Like, did you take the seeds out? I've never heard of that before. It sounds good.
1: So the sauerkraut, I left the seeds in because I wanted it a little bit spicier. But you can take the seeds out, and it's interesting because you roast it. So I roasted the garlic and I roasted the um uh, the jalapenos so they were kind of dry, and then that goes in with the with the cabbage and you know, and the salt, um, and then it all gets kind of stuffed <sighs> in the in the jar. I did a whole gallon of it, and i'm I'm really excited to see how it turns out. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I didn't have fresh dill, so I used uh, dry dill, but. I figured, you know, it's not the worst
0: thing in the world. No kidding. Hmm. That sounds really good. Yeah. My youngest daughter likes sauerkrauts. We do a lot of kombucha in our house. So that's easy for our family. We all drink kombucha. My girls love it. So that's that's in our rotation all the, to- all the time. My kids have kombucha all the time.
1: <laughs> I've never made kombucha. I love it, but I'm kind of, you know, fermentation is such an interesting microbiological process, you know, and so it's somewhat intimidating if you don't really understand what's going on, of which I am one of those people. Um, So I I figured the sauerkraut's kind of like safe for me to start there, Mm -hmm. but I would love to make my own kombucha so I could really control the sugars that are in there. So you don't, you know, some of them are so full of sugar. If you buy them off the store shelves, it's almost not as beneficial as making something all at yourself. So I would love to learn how you do kombucha.
0: I know we're talking about doing a podcast episode on kombucha and i think that that would be just a really fun one to do this winter for people to experiment for us to experiment me to experiment with but i think that a lot of our listeners would really love to try making kombucha yeah fermented foods are so nice because they're such a great source of prebiotics and probiotics so we're constantly nourishing our gut with healthy probiotics and a lot of our immune system the foundation for our immune system starts in our gut. That's a really great rabbit hole to kind of jump into. If you haven't been around and and read and deep dived the, the source and the foundation of your immune system, it really starts in your gut. We talk so much and we hear so much, especially lately, I feel like kind of a hot punch phrase is food is medicine. Mm -hmm. And we hear that a lot. Food is medicine. Food is medicine. And I love that that phrase is growing and the awareness of what we're putting into our body has such great value. Um, And when we talk about our immune system and being healthy and um, having a good foundation, what we eat and what we're, what we're fueling our body with ultimately ends up being the most important foundation and knowing what we're eating, where mm-hmm. our food is coming from, avoiding processed foods, avoiding sugars, having a varied diet, you know, having a good variety with like those fermented foods and um, different whole foods, I think is huge. American culture is so focused on just cooking the crap out of anything mm-hmm. that we eat. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, yeah. we just we denature our food there's so many beneficial vitamins and minerals and enzymes and antioxidants just in all of these great foods a lot of people want to eat organic and want to buy organic and that's great my family's the same i want to eat and buy organic whenever i can because i know that that's the best option for our family but we're so prone to overcooking our food and then just denaturing anything valuable in it that you know we could have benefited from.
1: Plus, it's it can be less expensive. Like sauerkraut, I bought forty pounds, forty pounds of cabbage for forty dollars. What? Yeah, I still have about ten pounds in my fridge that I got to figure out what to do with. We've
0: already processed thirty pounds. Yeah wow yeah. that's legit impressive yes i'm
1: legit impressed. i got sauerkraut for days <laughs> pickles are the same thing you can buy pickles or cucumbers in bulk i've never made pickles myself but i've watched you do it and it just seems like a really accessible
0: um they're so thing. easy it's like to me canning pickles is the perfect like water bathing 101 but you can water bath can sauerkraut too mm-hmm yeah that's and then you'll have it Mm -hmm. but does it kill the natural does it
1: kill the probiotics in it when you water bath can it or no
0: when you're water bath canning it though you're canning it at a lower temperature and you're processing it for a lower amount of time so my guess is that you wouldn't be killing that off but i don't know offhand if you'd be like if you'd be denaturing anything important and i'm sure to some degree you probably would be but sure. it's still going to be way more beneficial than what you're buying at the store anyways oh yeah 100% One thing that our family does and we supplement with when we're talking about, like, whole food diets is beef liver capsules. I know so many people are really into, like, the desiccated beef liver. And I think it's for really good reason, though. You know, hear the term coined, like, oh, it's nature's multivitamin or – whatever, but when you read and look into the benefits of desiccated beef liver, so you're getting like the whole freeze dried beef liver in capsule form, the amount of nutrition that's in that capsule that's that's easily bioavailable for your body is insane. So tons of tons of vitamins and minerals, riboflavin, thymine, you know, B vitamins, iron, a lot of things that we don't get in a standard American diet, Or even in like a healthy American diet, Mm -hmm. our food just doesn't have the same nutritional content. And so to be able to take these beef liver capsules, you're just packing such a huge punch into your overall well-being that helps to create the foundation of a healthy body.
1: Oh, my gosh. Beef liver is such an interesting topic overall. Like I come from an Italian background and most of like my Italian heritage, they ate organ meat because it was inexpensive Mm -hmm. meat to get. But what as they started to move out of that, that you know, strata and move into being able to afford beef steaks all the time or more often or ground beef, they actually lost a lot of the health benefits that they got from the from the liver. I love liver and onions. I grew up on liver and onions, but many people have either never eaten it or they do not like it. It's not my favorite thing to cook because it kind of smells a little bit when you cook it, but mm-hmm. to eat that freeze dried and um, desiccated beef liver and have it you know, in pill form, it makes it very accessible. I take mine every single morning. It, it gives you a boost of energy that you would not expect yeah. from something so small. Yeah. Um, and you just feel like you're getting something that, you know, again, we don't eat beef liver very often anymore as a society. And so you're kind of bringing back that, that natural, you know, um, almost ancestral n- nutritional benefit from an
0: item that you don't eat anymore. We're one of the only cultures, too, that doesn't routinely eat organ meat. Last year, when we got our last half of beef, I also asked for the liver, and they chopped the liver up. So I thought I was going to be getting the whole large liver, but I ended up getting, like, these little, like they're like little liver ribbons almost. It's so interesting, but it, I, I was looking at meat grinders cause I would really like to get a meat hmm. grinder for the sake of these organ meats. You know, we're just increasing our meat bird production and we're not going to stop buying beef locally from local farmers. So I'm always going to have access to these things. And I want to be able to incorporate them into our diet more. Not that we don't want to stop taking our beef liver capsules, but if we're able to incorporate it into our diet, that's that much better. Do you guys do bone broth in your house? I know that some families are really big into bone broth and drinking Um, it. Yes,
1: I've made bone broth. Um, We we drink it when we have it. We use it in cooking. I mean, to me, bone broth – is just again it's another way to use the whole animal and to really kind of pull every bit of nutrients that you can out of an animal that you've you know grown or processed or purchased or whatever so yeah. i didn't realize that it was a big deal until very recently that it yeah. had so many nutritional benefits to it but now i'm even more into it
0: right cuz it's super high in collagen, really high in gelatin and protein and all of those things help to like heal our digestive tract and like reduce inflammation within the gut and just because it is high in protein it's another great way of getting a- that additional protein source and you're getting in natural um ge- collagen and gelatin without having to like supplement it through, you know, capsule form or powder form, whatever. And not that that's inherently bad or anything, but when we talk about food as medicine and eating the whole, eating the whole animal and setting good eating habits and these foundations for wellness, if you can take it in and like, you know, bone broth form, actual broth form, why not? We do that a lot with our chickens where We raise these chickens, butcher them, eat them, and then I'll end up taking the whole carcass and simmering it on the back of the stove for, like, 24 to 48 hours, really. Just disappears. (laughs) Just literally, it just, just like, yes, turns into, like, little particles. I mean, the the big bones stay bones and stuff, but everything really disintegrates down, and then I strain it out. It's so rich in flavor. So, so flavorful. Uh, and then I, I haven't canned it up, but you can. It's so gelatinous though. I love making soup out of it. It's just really delicious.
1: Yeah. I didn't even realize that it was anything specific. That's just what we did. You bought your chicken Mm-hmm. You know from the whole chicken and then mm-hmm. you put it in the pot you do whatever it is that you're you spatchcock it you You know roast mm-hmm. it you do whatever you're going to do with the chicken And then the rest the bones whatever is left over goes into a stock pot and goes in the back of the stove You know sometimes Absolutely. with any kind of vegetable that you got laying around tops You know things that you wouldn't necessarily Eat or that were are going to go out to the compost you throw those in there, too And it just adds to more nutrients and it goes into your your soups um I, you know, it just it, it makes your hair nicer, it makes your skin nicer, it makes your nails nicer, the of your joints, yeah, those the joints. differences that you feel, and you're not you're not buying anything special. It's literally mm-hmm. something that you typically would probably throw away. You're throwing away all of those, you know, nutrients that are so readily available to you.
0: Definitely, I know we're going to talk a little, little bit about some like. Oh, just concoctions that we all like to make and have remedies that we all like to have. But two things that I really like to have in our cupboard here at my house is magnesium, magnesium mm-hmm. glyconate specifically, and then zinc, either zinc citrate or zinc sulfate. Those are two things that I always like to have on hand. One because I know a lot of a lot of people hero oh, zinc is really great to take for your immune system, really helps boost your immune system, and it really does. It helps to boost up your killer T cells and B cells and all these different macrophages, which literally are what consume the pathogens within your body. And if you're eating a really well-balanced diet, you know, there's a lot of zinc actually in beef liver and other meats that you eat, but most people aren't taking in enough zinc anyways. And so if you're supplementing your your cells, you know daily or even you know a couple times a week with zinc you're helping to literally boost the actual cells that are killing the pathogens in your body that are entering your body can
1: you take too much zinc like will you turn into a penny or something if you if you take too
0: much No, if you take too much colloidal silver, though, which that's another great thing to have in your cabinet for a lot of reasons, but uh, if you take too much colloidal silver, it can actually leave your skin and you, like your organs with a bluish. Oh, tint. I saw that guy. Isn't that
1: interesting? I, yeah, that was insane. I saw somebody who was taking a lot of colloidal silver. I forget how he did it exactly, but he was he was blue. He was very blue. <laughs> it was very intense, Goodness. and it actually scared me off of using colloidal silver for a long time. Because of course, in my, you know, head, I was like, oh gosh, you know, one dose and that's it. I'm going to be a part of the blue man group. But it was actually, you know, I think he took it for a long period of time, and he took a lot of it. <laughs> but he was very blue. <laughs>
0: Colloidal silver is something that we use more topically in our house, like on cuts and things like that, things that I'm concerned might become infected. It's not something that we necessarily have taken and ingested, but I know a lot, a lot, a lot of people do. But it's such a potent antibacterial and antifungal that it kills the bad with the Mm. good. And of course, you know, it's like that with a lot of things, antibiotics and whatever. You're killing the bad with the good. And of course, a lot of times that's beneficial. It's more beneficial to take something and kill off those bads and try to manage the good stuff that's being killed off and supplementing that. But colloidal silver is very, very potent. So I know that that can be a little controversial for some people, whether or not to ingest it, but we use it topically in our house most of the time. So no risks of our family turning blue yet. Yeah, I've only ever
1: used, well, I've most often used it topically, but I've also heard that you can use it as like a nasal spray, you know, if like you're starting to get um, sinus infection or something, there's a nasal spray that you can use. And I'm assuming that that's at the right, the right like level for for your sinuses and i've thought about buying that and just kind of keeping it on hand because i have a deviated septum so once one side goes bad i've got no more nose so i figured if i kept that on hand maybe it would be helpful
0: um no absolutely i don't think i'd swallow it and there's There's so many things that people have compounded that are so helpful and so many things available, you know, in your your health food store, your natural grocers or wherever. Even like pharmacies honestly have so many great natural remedies, too, that are really nice to have on hand as a first line defense to try before having to, you know, make other like resort to other options or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, zinc is something that we always have in our house. I really love the brand Mary's Ruth zinc. It's a liquid zinc, which is nice. There's no taste to it, and it's really easy to put in tea or my kids' drinks. We don't really do a lot of juice in our house, but I'll put the zinc in the kombucha, Put it in their water bottles for school and um, the liquid form of it. So it's zinc sulfate. Um, the Mary's Ruth liquid zinc is zinc sulfate, which is a very easily absorbed form of zinc. And the fact that it's in liquid form versus capsule form is also nice. And you're not getting a lot of fillers then, which is something that we oftentimes overlook when we talk about these different supplements, all the different fillers that are put in capsules, which is nice with the desiccated liver. You're getting literally just the beef liver, or with the liquid zinc, you're not getting all of those fillers. Um, but sometimes you just can't avoid the fillers. Mm-hmm. I just wrote that down. But the fillers can be really inflammatory. Yeah, Mary's Ruth mm-hmm. liquid zinc. Yeah, I can see the picture. I can see her. her the, I don't
1: know if it's her, but I can see the picture on the label. So I'm going to check that out because I don't have yeah. zinc right now. I had those like Zycam mm-hmm. nostril doo like a long time ago, but oh, yeah. but that didn't seem to really no. like do anything for me. So
0: Sure. Yeah, love that. And not sponsored by Harris Ruth, but you know, not sponsored, but if no, I'm just kidding. Uh the other thing that my family has in the cabinet, I think a lot of people do, is magnesium. We take a lot of magnesium just all year round and especially before bedtime. So magnesium glyconate is one of the things that we have. And uh when we talk about, you know, natural immunity, sleep is such a huge Cornerstone: A good sleep cycle really helps your immune system. And when we're not sleeping well, or melatonin production is off, of course we're not sleeping as well. When you're not sleeping well, your cortisol levels cannot regulate themselves. If anyone knows me, they know that I'm always talking about cortisol levels (laughs) because so many of our like hormone, our hormones and our hormone um, catalysts can be triggered with cortisol levels either being, you know, too high or whatever. But anyways, so magnesium, especially taken before bed in like the glyconate form is a great way to help naturally regulate your melatonin production so that you're sleeping better and your cortisol levels are well regulated. And if you're taking the magnesium glyconate, it's not going to affect your bowels the same as like a magnesium oxide would. Um, so there's a lot of magnesium compounds that end up negatively affecting your bowels, which of course is like a huge reason to avoid magnesium. But if you're taking a glyconate form, it's not going to affect that negatively, which is great. So
1: my whole life is centered around managing my cortisol levels. It's just something that I've come in in tune with, you know, yep. as I get older and sure. the amount of things that I'm always running around and doing. And so every night I take vitamin D and magnesium, but now I'm trying to remember if it's the glyconate or is there like a magnesium citrate or is that yep. sound?
0: Yeah, yeah there's so like mag citrate, too. mag oxide, mag glyconate. There's, magnesium comes in a lot of different compound forms. They all work a little bit differently. And they also all work very similarly too, but the glyconate form ends up being, um, very relaxing on your muscles and, um, doesn't have the same strong impact on your bowels as like a magnesium oxide would, or even a citrate. Got it.
1: Yeah. I figure if it's really bad, I'm not going to be worried about my bowels. I just need to chill out. But (laughs) It works. (laughs) It works really, really well. Um, and I've, I've never had any of those negative side effects on it, but it seems like the vitamin D with the magnesium seems to really help my immune system. I can tell when I'm not taking it. Um, you know i don't ever know if it's because of just the cortisol levels being high which also lowers your immune system yep, or if, does, um,
0: right.
1: yeah or if it's if it is directly impacting my immune system so sure definitely right. easy thing I don't to have- do yeah
0: I know a lot of people have vitamin C and that's a very common combination of like taking vitamin C and zinc. And there's, you know, there's a lot of different forms of vitamin C, especially over the counter. And we know there's a lot of foods that are naturally very high in vitamin C. And most people think of orange juice or oranges, but actually broccoli is more high in vitamin C than a lot of foods. And as long as you're not overcooking it and denaturing it and stuff, if you eat it raw or lightly steamed, but, um, I know acerola is becoming a little bit more prevalent, but acerola seems to be becoming a little bit more popular. I heard some some last year about acerola. I'm hearing a lot more about it this year, but essentially acerola is cher- a cherry and it has like the highest form of natural vitamin C that can be found. And so when you're talk about, talking about whole food supplements, which is the easiest and best way for your body to absorb what it needs. Acerola seems to be more and more prevalent. Uh, We don't have it in our house right now, but it's something that I'm interested in purchasing kind of right now. I actually was looking at purchasing it just yesterday, but, um, Uh vitamin C. Everybody wants to take vitamin C or eat foods that are high in vitamin C because it's very beneficial for our immune system and stuff. But to take it in a form that's going to be more bio readily available for your body, like a cerola cherry or a supplement like that, your body's not going to excrete what it doesn't need and you're avoiding taking some of those vitamin C pills and capsules that are full of so many fillers that can be very, very inflammatory. And for people who are gluten sensitive or gluten intolerant, so many capsules and tablets are packed full of like gluten and like, you know, that can be problematic for people with gluten sensitivities. Well, and it's just, you know, if you're, we were not
1: built to consume supplements in their individual form you know so to me yeah. anytime that i can pull forward uh, a fruit <clears throat> and i did google the cherry real quick and I, we we did, we literally used to grow those in florida and so you could just really? sit there underneath the bush yeah and they're very very tart but they're not unpalatable like and they mm-hmm. they grow in like huge amounts, and you could just sit there and eat them all day, you know, again, like as with any fruit, you know, they might start to affect your bowels a little bit, but I never felt sick, and it just, it reminds me of just, you know, we're made to interact with our environment through our senses and through our, through our mouth, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So taking the whole food and, you know, eating it in the appropriate way or taking it in the appropriate way, I think, is just, you're you're going to receive more of those nutrients more easily because it's not beat all to hell
0: no <laughs> could- for sure you know i like what you said what you're saying because even when you look at okay so there's so many nuances to what our diet to like how we eat and our diet where you know if, so vitamin C helps the uptake of iron. So, you know, when we're eating a well-balanced diet and you're eating your iron and you're eating something that's high in vitamin C, you're increasing your body's absorption of that iron. And there's a lot of things like that, that isn't common knowledge and isn't commonplace. And people will just take an iron supplement knowing that their body's not absorbing the majority of that iron because it's a synthetic form that's not readily available to be absorbed by your body. And it's just going to be peed right out mm-hmm. and taking something like a beef liver capsule that has a much more, you know, absorbable form of iron cause it's just a literally a whole food. Or you take something like acerola that's naturally high in vitamin C and your body's gonna naturally absorb it so much better that you're not having to pay attention to. I need to take this with this, or I need to take that with that, or I need to avoid, you know, and it's just, it's important to know where our nutrition is coming from and how our body is supposed to be absorbing it so we can just do as many favors as possible and also not just throw money out the window either yeah. because so many times supplements are really stinking expensive yep. yeah and they're not even
1: doing what they're what they're supposed to do because like you said you don't know those nuances that was like something that stuck with me when, from when i was young Is they'd say don't take a multivitamin because you're just going to pee it out like it's not it's literally just going to yeah, pass right. straight through your system and i like, it just felt like it was such a waste of money, especially in a time when I didn't have any of that. And if I had known Mm -hmm. that, you know, my vegetables would have done it or beef liver would have done it, I would have eaten very differently, even as a, even as, you know, even young in my, you know, teens and twenties, you know? Yeah. So.
0: Right. I think that we're doing like our generation and are doing a lot better at understanding where our food is coming from why we're eating it, how we're eating it, and making sure it's sustainable. And I think that's going to yeah. have a really huge impact on like our children as they grow up and they're developing their own personal eating habits.
1: Oh, I completely agree. I mean, and I attribute a lot of it to the internet and to how much information Mm -hmm. is so readily available. Because when I was a kid, my mom went off of my great grandma. And so she knew a lot of the stuff from just, you know, truly eating from her backyard. They didn't have supermarkets, so they just ate from their backyard. Mm -hmm. But for my mom, you know, anybody that, you know, was saying anything about whole foods or beef liver capsules or any of those things, it was crunchy people reading out of a book from some, you know, health food store that my mom was like, oh, that's where the hippies go, you know, like that, that doesn't mean anything. And we, they, she came from the era of TV trays and, you know, food being readily and quickly available. What we didn't know is that they were literally like microwaving out all of their nutrients. And so the, the Mm -hmm. ease of the food was the interesting thing then. And I feel like now we're kind of going back to that whole trend of being in your grandma, you know, your grandma era in your twenties, I'm sorry, in your thirties or your forties. And that's because I think we're becoming more aware of where our food is coming from and where our nutrients is
0: coming from. A hundred percent. So I know, so some of these remedies that a lot of us are familiar with and, and have either made or used or are familiar with from good old Instagram are elderberry syrup, fermented honey garlic fire cider. And then another one that's a little less commonly talked about is goldenrod tincture. I don't know if very many people are familiar with that one. I've seen it here and there. We have a ton of goldenrod in our backyard. And so I'm more familiar with goldenrod tincture because I've made it before. And I know people who've wanted to use our goldenrod to like make it, which is wonderful. But I know we want to talk just a little bit about those things too, because now's the time to start making those things, to have them sit in your fridge, have them sit in your cupboard so that you have them to start taking them, help boost that immune system, give them to your kiddos, slip it to your husband, you know, <laughs> to get just that little bit of an edge when it comes to building up your immunity and those antioxidants and reducing inflammation and like supplementing with some of those vitamins and stuff. So elderberry yeah. syrup is a big one. I think elderberry syrup is like commonly accepted both in oh in a strict western medicine culture and then also in our like holistic circles elderberries become kind of neutral i'd say whereas sure. like fire cider still feels a little bit more like yeah i don't know controversial intense, or intense. yeah yeah <laughs> so. And it is intense. <laughs> yeah, I've been making elderberry syrup. I started making, I bought it. I bought it for years from a friend of mine that she she's made it for years. She's made it. And her, her parents have elderberry bushes. And so she harvests the elderberries from her, from her parents' house. And then she would always buy local honey. And it was so easy just to run over to her house and buy a jar from her. But then last year, I started making our own elderberry syrup because we had our own honey from our own backyard. And so I really wanted to like maximize On the like the nutritional value from our own honey, Um, but elderberry is wonderful because it's super high in vitamin C. You know, the acerola is really high in vitamin C, but so is elderberry. Elderberries are very high high in vitamin C, and they're super high in antioxidants. So when you pair that with local honey that's really high in amino acids and like minerals and zinc you're really reducing inflammation as a whole and you're boosting your immune system up with that vitamin C in a way that's palatable for like the whole family. I say it's tasty too. I could just drink this stuff.
1: I get the gummies. So I haven't made my own yet and I'm super excited to make some, um, but I've actually bought the gummies and I have little gummy silicone trays. So I figure whenever we Mm -hmm. do make it, I'm going to pour mine into the little gummy trays too, because it's a nice way of making it a little bit more shelf stable. Um, And easy for me to kind of like dose everybody with, you know, Uh, but it's delicious. It's delicious. I love that stuff.
0: And if you buy gelatin from, you know, if you buy gelatin from your, you know, health food store, you literally can make it yourself where you're just using the, you know, elderberries, the honey, some water, the gelatin. Some people add cinnamon and star anise and some other Eastern spices, Mm -hmm. which is very delicious. I'm not as knowledgeable on the benefits of the cinnamon and the cloves and the um, star anise, but I've never, I've not made it like that before, but I know Brenna so you recently made fermented honey garlic and actually you did a whole blog yep. post for the Homestead Connection which is over on the website homesteadconnection.com and your blog post is packed full of information just like you really talk about the whole lacto fermentation mm-hmm. process in your blog post and you walk us through how to make the fermented honey garlic and you know why why it's so beneficial.
1: Yeah. I mean each – so I mean each individual piece of the recipe of fermented honey garlic is beneficial by itself. And so then when you add in the benefits of the lacto-fermentation, it kind of compounds everything all to So You're getting the probiotics. You're getting the prebiotics. You're getting the um, – <clears throat> I'm going to use the word antiseptic, antifungal of the of the garlic. Yeah, you know, garlic is an antiviral yep. too. I think in some of the looser and looser mm-hmm. ways, and then honey has all kinds of of benefits. I mean, people have used it historically to pack onto wounds. You know, it's a it's an antiseptic for right. wounds. It's good for your. Um, it's uh it's good from a um allergy perspective it's it has so many different benefits plus it tastes good so you put all three of those things together and you let it sit for i think about a month um my brother actually Mm -hmm. when he was here just ate one of the garlic cloves out of it and it only been sitting for maybe three weeks so it was a little bit early maybe two weeks so it was a bit spicier than what he was expecting but the the flavors really meld together and you can either take yeah the honey, the syrup straight out of it, and it will help soothe your throat or if you're starting to feel sinuses or you know something just needing a little bit of extra boost, you can actually eat one of the cloves, and it's supposed to really mm-hmm. you know kind of help lift all of that away if you can imagine eating an entire clove of garlic and what that would do for your sinuses, no, for sure. <laughs>
0: And the benefits then also is you're getting, you're also getting the benefits then of the fermentation right. process, the prebiotics, the probiotics that are really good for your gut. So, and as a side note, if you decide you don't like it for the health benefits of it, you can coat your chicken with it or it's something. It's a great like marinade. That, bake with yep. it and have really good marinade for your, for your yeah, meat. Yeah.
1: And it's a fun way to... It's <laughs> expensive but yeah, delicious. Exactly. But in and it's. It's just a to me, it was a very accessible way of starting to fill my cabinet with things that I thought might be helpful for the family as we get into those colder months, and yep. maybe we're feeling a little bit run down or maybe we feel like we need a little bit of a boost. Um, it was just something that didn't seem overly scary, you know i I have bees, even though my bees haven't done very well this this season or this summer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have bees, I'm used to dealing with honey, I understand honey, and garlic is you know, I mean, I think that that's in every single culture and every single food ever. So um, it just seemed really comfortable.
0: Right. I mean, honey and garlic. It's so accessible. Elderberries and making elderberry syrup is also very easy, but then you're like, okay, well, where am I sourcing my elderberries from? Do you want organic? Where, you know, can I just buy them on Amazon? Things like that. Where with When you're talking about garlic and honey, that's just so much easier and so much more straightforward in a lot of ways. But I think all of these things are easy to make up and are a good place to start. But I agree with you that fermented honey garlic, that's just very like easy, simple, two ingredients, very little attention, and then keeps for a really long time. Yeah, the blog that I went, because I was
1: somewhat new to it, so I went on to some really great sites and and did a little bit of research on it. So even within the blog, there's also additional links down there for you to go ahead and dig more into the lacto-fermentation and the science behind it. Um, Because, I mean, before I started reading that post, Mm -hmm. I didn't even really understand the different types of fermentation there were. Um, So it really Mm kind of opened up you know, um, a rabbit hole for me to kind of follow down, to understand the the, the different benefits. So there's a lot of good stuff in that blog. I had a really good time writing it. But yeah, it's something you can go down to your grocery store, you pick up cloves of garlic, you pick up raw raw honey. That's the only thing to make sure is that you're buying raw honey. And um, you put the two together and you're done. (laughs) It's not not that hard. Hardest part is peeling all the garlic. (laughs) It's the worst part.
0: Yeah. You just made fire
1: cider too, didn't you? I did. I made fire cider. Um it I so I've never had fire firesider cider before, but a lot of the people that I hang around and I and I talk to on a regular basis and you talk to too, mm-hmm. they all are making yeah. it. So um and it, again, seemed like things that were ju- that I just had sitting separately. And so when you put it together, and you put it in a jar and you, you wait a couple of weeks and it's basically ready to go into the fridge and, and wait for you there. But I think, oh, let me see here.
0: What did you, what did you put in your fire cider? So like for people who aren't familiar with fire cider, it ends up being this concoction of different medic, different, um, Not different medications, food, different whole foods Mm -hmm. (laughs) that have different wonderful properties in and of themselves, like red onion, garlic, horseradish, ginger, uh, jalapenos, even, I think, Mm -hmm. honey, apple cider vinegar. And there's not necessarily a a law to like or a perfect recipe for fire cider. A lot of people have their own variations of fire cider that they'll make. Mm -hmm. Um, Which is fun to see, you know, and maybe different people have different reasons why they use stuff. But what did you put in yours? So
1: I read what a couple of people did, and then I kind of made up my own. So mine has uh, Mm turmeric and garlic in it. I love garlic. Uh, It's got um, lemon, uh, It had a little bit of horseradish, it had red onion, Um, I think I threw white onion in there too, jalapenos. Mm -hmm. I think that that was, I think that that's, and then ACV, right? So you fill it up to the top with ACV. Um, and did you do the raw, raw apple cider vinegar? I did raw apple cider vinegar, yep, with the yeah. mother and all, all of that good with stuff. With the mother. Mm-hmm. And I just put all of that in there. But I've heard of people putting oranges in theirs. I've heard people putting star anise in theirs, cinnamon sticks. Um, I think really what it is is it's just something to, again, like ACV, right? It's going to boost your your gut a little bit. It's going to give you your gut that that good, healthy, healthy, Lift, um, and then all the other stuff is really hot, (laughs) Um, but it's been fermented in the the ACV. So there's also tons of research out there. Um, You can go on Pinterest, you can go on Instagram, you can go on various sites and find different recipes for it. And then I think you just play with it and see what you yeah you know what helps you. And the whole it's all real food. The whole
0: idea is being able to put into one spot things that are really high in vitamins minerals antioxidants anti-inflammatory properties so that you're just bolusing your system with something that's going to give it extra nutrition to fight off whatever is going on in the bo- in your body and of course benefiting your gut and helping you at a cellular level i love that you added turmeric into it that makes so much sense you know when we're talking about decreasing inflammation within the body and stuff um but adding those things, those vitamins, minerals, antioxidants, anti-inflammatory things, and couple that with the um, apple cider vinegar, it's just a really great way to like douse your system, you know, if you're fighting something.
1: Yeah, just take a sip of it and, you know, it's 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 going to give you a physical reaction and then it's also going to give your body at a cellular level those those additional benefits. Definitely. But I've heard of so many different things, you know. Um, being put in there oh garlic that was the, of course garlic right, right.
0: oh yeah absolutely i said in my podcast episode with molly when we talked about garlic that i think garlic should be its i own think food it should. group. and honestly once you do a little there's so many varieties and types of garlic it really could be its own i'm excited group. to grow my own i can't wait
1: i need to buy my bulbs or my pieces of bulbs and get it <laughs>
0: Going back to, so I grew and not to. I talk a little bit about this in the garlic podcast episode, which it's now's the perfect time to be buying garlic to plants. Mm-hmm. My freaking
1: <laughs> her dog is protecting the chickens, y'all.
0: <laughs> My dog has been barking this entire episode, you guys. <sighs> Anyways, so, but yes, now's the perfect time to be buying garlic to plant the end of October, beginning of November, so you have an amazing, beautiful garlic harvest in July next year, but I planted a bunch of garlic. I harvested a bunch of garlic and the garlic that I harvested, my primary intention with it is to make fermented honey garlic, put it in my fire cider. Yes, I'm going to use it for cooking, but I'm really excited to be making these home remedies to have available for my family with the honey that came from our from our bees and from garlic that came from our garden. Like how wholesome is that? I just think it, it just makes me feel so excited and so satisfied. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Cause you're literally providing something you're, you're, you're growing something and then, you know, preparing something and then storing something that will benefit your family throughout the entire year. And it all came from your backyard, Absolutely. which is just a huge set. All you got to do now is blow your own glass jars and you'll have it made, you know what I mean? <laughs> just get right on that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, something like that. We keep talking about honey, and one of the things that I wanted to mention with honey, so it's important to use raw honey. Which, Brenna, you mentioned that buy the raw honey, buy the raw unfiltered honey because you're it hasn't been pasteurized. So if you're buying something that's raw, it hasn't been pasteurized. It hasn't been raised to any certain temperature. You're not killing off any of the good enzymes. Um, It's not being denatured in any way. So you're getting like the true, raw, wholesome, beneficial form of honey. And it's like as pure of a state as possible. And that's important. So you're buying the raw honey because it hasn't been pasteurized and you're not avoiding all these things. But things like specifically the elderberry syrup where you have your, your cup of elderberries, and your water and you're cooking that down to release all those antioxidants and release the vitamin C, it's important to let your elderberry syrup cool off before you're adding in the honey. Otherwise, you're essentially cooking your honey and you're cooking all of the benefits out of it. So when we're adding honey into any of these things, elderberry syrup, honey, garlic, fire cider, make sure you're not heating heating it up in any way. Otherwise, it'll make it taste better because you're getting the sweetness, but you're not getting any of the valuable properties that the honey that provides. That's such a good point. People, even with the fermented
1: honey garlic, yes, you can use it as a marinade for your chicken and it's going to taste really good, but you heating up that fermented food is going to kill off all of the beneficial enzymes and bacteria yeah. that's in there. So It, it tastes delicious. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that, but it's not going to have the same nutritional mm-hmm. value that it would if you had heated it up. And it, That goes back to what we we're talking about with Americans loving to overcook their food. You know, we have a fear right. of eating things raw. <laughs> and that's, your body it's isn't equipped to
0: handle it. It's very true. But God designed our body to handle these things. So it is so interesting. Like Americans are so afraid of eating raw food and not just like we owe you raw food raw meat no we're not talking about raw meat just food in their natural state whether talking about like milk raw milk which you talk about food as medicine we could talk about raw milk we could have an entire podcast episode about the benefits of raw milk and the difference in dairy products like what americans like a you know a normal american thinks is in the milk that they're getting from the store and the lack of what like that nutritional value anyways whatever we're so afraid of raw things but our bodies are designed god god designed our bodies god equipped our bodies to eat the things that he created in their natural yes. state yeah i mean yeah i
1: can get on a whole tangent about raw milk i'm almost I, yeah so many people have been conditioned to think that raw milk is dangerous and raw milk is bad and it's It's not, you know, there's a reason for pasteurization and there's a reason for there to be a lack of pasteurization and understanding the differences between the two and where the two are appropriate, I think is where we've missed it. We've just created this fear around raw foods, but yeah, our bodies are made
0: to do it. And um, so much of the food that we eat or Americans are conditioned to eat has been, like we've said, overcooked, stripped down. And that's one of my big hangups with so much of Like the dairy and I'm new to the raw dairy thing as you know, I'm newer to the raw, the raw dairy, but I believe in it enough that we have dairy goats in our backyard now and the so much of the milk products that we're buying from the grocery store are just a byproduct of what milk actually is. Yeah, that's been artificially supplemented with a fraction of the vitamins and minerals and, you know, amino acids and antioxidants that are naturally found. In raw milk and God designed our bodies to take in these things in their true raw form you know yeah anyways I could I could preach a whole sermon on
1: it oh I yeah I absolutely could too it's something I feel pretty you know pretty strongly about
0: but I think that's why so many people are are more conscious about supplementation because they realize they're needing to take in supplements and are wanting to naturally bolster their immune system because we're not always able to eat in a way that encompasses all of the nutrition that we need to support our bodies to like fight things off.
1: I love that you say that because it's not so much that it's a fear thing. It's of what can you do about it to help support your body or help support your family while all these other things are going on. It's being successful in spite of what is happening around you yeah. that I think is so empowering from a, from a family perspective or from a you know household perspective. So I just, yeah.
0: I completely agree, and I feel like knowing what's in your cupboard and having the control to make these simple things with simple ingredients that are packed full of amazing qualities and properties is really empowering. And none of these things are expensive and none of these things are hard to come by. And none of these things are like scary or involved to make, you know, they're all very simple. They're very rudimentary, but they're all very powerful. And I think that that's really like a great resource and should be very empowering to like any family. Mm No, oh, I agree.
1: So tell me about this goldenrod tincture. I've actually never heard of goldenrod tincture. You said that you were picking it. And the only thing I know about goldenrod is that it made my grandmother sneeze and that's it. Yeah.
0: So, it's, it's, so it's, the concept is very similar to honey in that if you're taking in goldenrod and you're ingesting it, that it, you're going to help diminish your your allergy symptoms like the symptoms that you have from allergies Ah. and cold symptoms that you have there's also some other claims that come with goldenrod that i haven't researched and can't make any claims to but in the way that you're taking in natural honey and you're being exposed to natural pollens and stuff and it can reduce your allergy symptoms same with goldenrod tincture um and not just with allergy symptoms but with cold symptoms as well it's high in antioxidants it's high in um like anti-inflammatory properties and vitamins and stuff, just like a lot of the other things that we've talked about. But it's very simple in that you pick the goldenrod flower when it's bloomed, so your yellow goldenrod flower. You put it into a little jar and cover it with vodka, You want to make sure it's completely submerged in vodka. And then you put a lid on it and close it away for like four weeks, three, four, six weeks to let it really infuse. And then you strain out the liquid from the goldenrod. And then you can use a little dropper. You can use a little teaspoon. And then you can put it into, you know, your tea or your, you know, whatever you're drinking or just take it by itself to help reduce your symptoms of allergies and colds. It's just a nice preventative measure and now is a really great time to make it and once because it's distilled in um, alcohol it's shelf stable for a very very long time interesting so it's
1: almost like how you make vanilla with the vanilla bean except for this has some medicinal properties
0: well, I think we covered everything we set out to talk about and way more. And in the more. Spot. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That's always the way it is with us, but I love that. So too. Yeah. There's so much to talk about. Long, if you know, you know, that's right. <laughs> so, Anyways, thanks for talking with me about all this. It's been a lot of fun and I'm really excited to kind of dive into making some more of these home remedies to have in our cupboards. Yes. Next month. Are we thinking about
1: doing it with more than just us, or are we wanting to record, or what are you thinking there?
0: Yeah. So, if you're listening to this live, we're planning on doing an elderberry syrup pop up. So, we're going to be making elderberry together. It's going to be free, it's just going to be laid back and fun. So, we can all make elderberry syrup together and have it in our cupboards. I think it'll be a really fun thing just to interact and get to know one another and do something productive at the same time.
1: It sounds like so much fun. I can't wait. I've never actually made it before, so I've only ever bought it. So it's going to be my first time. And I'm, I'm it'll really be excited.
0: easy. I'm excited to make it. I'm excited to help other people make it. I think it'll just be a really good time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited.
0: Take care. I'll talk cool. to you later.